Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Can we give God praise right now? Lord, I love you, God. I thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't ever want to take it for granted what we have right here, right now, in this place today. It's not allowed everywhere. And man, we've had missionaries who have come by that tell horror stories of people having to stand outside and keep watch. Because they are trying to get a, get a glimpse of what we feel in this place today. God, I love you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for the privilege, God. I thank you for the honor, Lord, of coming boldly before your throne. Of coming boldly before your presence. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We've already had such a strong presence of God in this house today. Amen. And if you'll, if you'll go with me to the book of Luke, I just want to bring a thought today. In Luke chapter 8, verse 41. And the Bible says in 8 and 41, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, And he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet. And besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood, 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood was stanched. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee. And thou sayest, and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me. For I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him. 
and how she was healed immediately. Amen. If you will help me today, I just want to share a quick thought with you about faith. Amen. About faith. We see this moment play out, and it's a lot like the truth of life. Because the truth of life is oftentimes it would seem that we take the hardest road possible first before we learn from our mistakes. Worry and stress seem to make up the greatest part of human existence. And sometimes, if we were just honest, it's so hard to trust the unknown. It's hard to trust this, and we often fight against the unknown and the inevitable and the inevitable because we hate change. However, we are living in a world that is changing constantly. It's changing faster than anyone can possibly keep up with. I don't care how great your finance is. I don't care how great your personality, your drive, you will never keep up with this fast-paced changing world because they're always one step ahead of you. It seems that it's only when we hit rock bottom and we exhaust every source that we have do we finally realize that there is only one hope. And this is for Christians too, because I'm guilty, I know. That even though I know that Jesus is the only answer, I still try everything that I can. Shamefully, but I'm human. I try everything that I can to solve it for myself before I finally turn it over to him. The only hope in life is the fact that if we fall, if we fail, And when we hit rock bottom, the only difference that separates us from the masses that are trying to make it through life as well, trying to figure things out, is whenever they hit rock bottom, we fall upon the rock of ages. Because even if you've tried everything, as long as you realize that Jesus is the only answer, when you realize that he is all that you really needed from the beginning, that's when everything is going to be all right. Paul said that he made a way of escape from the things of life that would seek to devour us. I'm here to tell somebody today that is facing life, he's still that way of escape. He was, he is, and will always be. Jesus is still the answer. His name is Jesus, and if we allow him the rightful place at the head of our lives, he will remain to be the answer. It's sad, but we as humans, it seems that we allow stress and worry of life in things that could be avoided just turn us over. They turn us upside down and they they turn our world around. But if we could hand it to the potter first and say, do with it what you can, God. I don't know if you've ever watched a toddler 
try to put together a puzzle. I don't have kids, so I'm not the the parent with unconditional love. It can be annoying. <laughs> it can be frustrating because you're watching. You you can see where everything goes. But it can be the most frustrating thing to see a toddler try to put together a puzzle. And you'll have to tell them, no, 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 that doesn't match that piece. No, 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 you can't break it to make it fit. And then before you know it, you you just want to help them out and say, if you just turn that upside down, it'll fit. But you know, I feel that's the way that God views us in life. He sees the whole picture and we're sitting here trying to put together a puzzle that we haven't seen yet. It's simple, but can we apply it? We're trying to make things fit and we're trying to jumble this and move that over here. If I can shift this just to the left and all the time God's saying, no, 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 that doesn't match the surroundings. You weren't called to this. I called you to be separate. You don't fit in here. Scoot over. And it causes us pain and aggravation, but he's, he's not like me. He's not getting frustrated. He's patient. And he's saying, no, 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 you can't break this piece to fit in. I created you differently. You can't remove this from your life just to fit in. And you see that final piece of the puzzle. It's when God finally reaches down and turns your life upside down. When he shifts things so out of focus that it doesn't make sense, that is when it will fall into place. Because sometimes God has to shift our life away from what we think it should be in order for us to fall in the will of God. Amen. It's painful. And it will cause you more stress and worry than you're willing to think about if you don't relinquish it to God immediately. Because ultimately, his will will be done. It's just going to be a matter of whether or not you're going to be in it. Amen. See, we tend to think the world revolves around us. I'll be human and bold enough to say, Instead of we, I think the world revolves around me so much at times that when things get out of kilter, when things get off of track, I tend to lose my focus. When all the while, if I could just realize from the beginning, I sing about it every Sunday. I talk about it every Wednesday. Jesus is the answer. He's all I'll ever need. He's all I ever needed. If I could just focus on that from the beginning, when I open my eyes in the morning, say, God, you're the answer. I'm just going with the flow then it seems like things would work out so much easier in our lives. Oftentimes we have to reach the place of absolute discomfort. But it's this place when we reach the place of ultimate desperation. When you're at the end of your rope, When you reach the end of your rope, you think you're at the end of sanity. That's when God sees the beginning of working it out. Because he won't work for us if we're fighting against him. 
He's going to wait until you have exhausted every source. And then when you're done, it's just like a child, forgive me for my examples, but it's just like a child when they, when they want something and they start pitching a fit. If you're at home, it's one thing. But if you're in public, <laughs> you've got to keep it together. You compose yourself and you say, when you're done, when you're done. I feel like that's the way God treats me sometimes. When you're done, when, you'll, when you've stopped, when I decide to step aside and let God take care of the problem, it works out. We find situations like this all through the Bible. Abraham had to banish members of his household who were not covered under promise. Jacob had to fear death at the hand of his brother and then wrestle with an angel. Moses wasted over 60 years of his life trying to figure out what God had for him. Samson didn't see it until he was blinded at his death. And David had to try again and again and again to start over. Israel slept all the way into slavery in Babylon before they learned to appreciate the song of God. And then they fell into silence at the end of the Old Testament. They fell into hundred years, hundreds of years of silence without hearing from God, without one nudge from God. Can you imagine life going through, going through life that way? Without any communication with God, without any access to God. But then it was broken by a promise from an angel who had said, like so many before him, I have your answer, it's on the way. And he said, you're going to call him master, you're going to call him counselor, the prince of peace. He'll bear your government's and he'll carry your sorrows. I want to talk to somebody's issue of blood today in this house. Somebody's issue with sin. Somebody's issue with life. And say, your answer is here. Jesus said to build yourselves up. I'm sorry, the book of Jude says to build yourselves up on your most holy faith. What is that? It's the realization of who we are and who God is in us. Amen. Sometimes we just have to encourage ourselves. We have to build ourselves up on our faith. Because within me is the same God who not only bore the weight of my sorrows, he has made nations rise and he has brought nations low. It's the same God, the same spirit. This mighty hand of God. He is the beginning and he is the end. Time only exists within God. Amen. There is no one above him. There is no one beside him. There was no one before him and there will be no one after him. He is the almighty. 
he looked down upon frail humanity and thought enough that he would say, cast your cares on me because I care for you. We must build ourselves up on this most holy faith, this precious gospel, this marvelous light that we have been called into. If you combine the two keys to moving God that I want to bring out today, there are two things that's a common thread in the Bible before God moved. You find them in the woman with the issue of blood. You find them in the story of Abraham before the ram appeared in the thicket. You find them in the story of Hannah when she was found supposedly drunk in the temple, but she was just praying so hard for a promise. What Hannah had in the temple was the same thing that 120 had in the upper room. The two key components the drive of discomfort and distress of being desperate these two key components were faith and being desperate. You'll never find a miracle that God did in the Bible. You'll never find a miracle that he just threw on somebody. It's the same principle that he said, if you will draw nigh unto me, I will draw nigh unto you. You've got to do something about it. And it's only whenever we have faith in God and we get desperate enough to do something about it that when we come halfway, God will meet you there. Amen. I'm getting ready to close. If you want God to touch your need, we have to get desperate about it. Many of our our men and certain people in our church have been involved with missions projects. And one thing that always amazes me, even seeing missionaries come by with their videos, is the way that God moves in those countries. And given the little experience that I have with this, one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen We were in Argentina and surrounding the city were these tin shacks made of a roof and three walls, no floor. But you get into these churches and they had tile churches and they had carpet running down the aisles so that they could worship without slipping on the tile. And the ministers there began to tell us these people live on the outside of the city. They had given everything they had to make sure that the house of God was properly prepared for them to come and worship. They gave the best that they had to God. It's the difference of desperation. 
Here again, I'm going to talk about me. I'll want a miracle, but am I willing to move for my miracle? Am I willing to step out? Am I willing to put myself out there to move, to move for my miracle? To move for my answer? He said, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. The God of creation. But just like the woman with the issue of blood, I'm going to go exhaust my resources. I'm not blaming anybody for a lack of faith today. I'm in the same boat with you. But when I think that the same spirit that is in this place today created the body and he knows every function therein. When I think, Brother Jerry, that the Old Testament scribes used to run and wash their hands before they wrote the name of Yahweh. And then get this, they didn't even have the full truth of God. They didn't even have his name. And here we are. I say we because it's me too. We sit down in a move of the Holy Ghost like God owes us something. I'm convicted when I think that these men would take the, would take the, the caution to wash their hands lest they taint the name of God. Amen. In the same chapter of Luke, just before this, you find the story where Jesus calmed the storm. And after Jesus had calmed the sea, he asked his startled disciples, he said unto them, where is your faith? And they being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. Where is our faith today? Where is our faith today? Jesus, after noticing the woman with the issue of blood, he looked at her and he said, the Bible says, and he said unto her, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. But see, if she had not been desperate enough, Brother Bobby, to push through those people, the Bible says that the press of the people, the people thronged him and pressed into him. She had to fight to get to the center of attention. And she touched the border of his garment. When desperation, when you get desperate enough to push through life to make it, when that desperation matches your faith, when it meets your faith, you may not have much faith. But when it meets that little bit of faith that you have to honor the word and pray, that's when a miracle can happen. Amen. Can we stand in this house today?
Lord, I love you, God. I thank you, Jesus. Where is our faith today? The same God who stood in the beginning and created all that you see is in this house today asking where is your faith? Where is your faith? The Bible says that we are his. He would deny you nothing, but just where is your faith? He said, you have to move first. We have to make the first move. And God is asking, where is our faith today? Amen. Amen. Lord, I love you, God. I thank you, Jesus, for the privilege, Lord. I thank you, God, for the honor that we have, Lord, to be in your presence, to be in this place today, God. Lord, I love you, God, and I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for the freedom that we feel in this place, God, for the spirit that we feel in this place today, God. In your holy name, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.